study. So tonight I want us to look at the thought of considering who Jesus was. The case for his resurrection, if you will, uh, is strong in the Bible and throughout Scripture. And considering these things and as far as the claims that he made, I want us to look and think about the historical existence um, of Jesus is not denied. Uh, Again, however, many who believe in Jesus as their Savior, uh, even in the world today, will say that he was just a good man or even a prophet. Uh, For example, in the Muslim belief, the Muslims and even some Jews will claim that he was just a good prophet, uh, a good person that came. But when you consider the claims that he made, either he was one who claimed to be or he was that uh, charlatan or that um, crazy, but that person that uh, someone might say, well, he just didn't know what he was doing. But I want us to think about that tonight, about that tonight. How could one who lived the life that Jesus lived and if he was true, that person, that some who claim who thinks he is, that he deceives people into thinking that he was their savior but considered good uh, in any way, those two just don't go together. And there are people in the world who think that. They think that he deceived a lot of people, but he was still just a good person. And we don't hear a lot about that where we live, but outside of our box... There's a lot of different beliefs that will throw those things in there. Um, You know, you think about it, people who have claimed to be that. I think about the uh, situation in uh, Waco, Texas, that David uh, Koresh, you remember that. Um, I go back even to show how old I am. I remember the, uh, how many of you, I'm sure many of you remember the Jim Jones uh, in the 70s, and many of you can go look that up, younger folks go look that up, and uh, wasn't that Guyana where he was at? Yeah, Guyana is where he was at, and uh, Jim Jones had a following, started right here in the United States, they moved to South America, had their own colony, uh, he convinced so many hundreds of people to drink a Kool-Aid, if you will, that was laced with cyanide. Uh, believe that they that the Lord was coming and to follow Him, and He was that prophet, and and this, that, and other. Uh, but again, you know, what do you think about those people? Their works, when we speak of those, and you're more familiar with the David Kadesh and the Branch Davidians there in Waco, but their works proved their evil motives. So, in the world today, there are people who promote that Jesus was just another deceiver. And also that he was not a good person or that he was crazy. Now I have seen some, if you go and study that and look at the different thoughts and different world religions, some throw that in, out there and thinking that he was someone that he was not. But through what we studied last week, Jesus claims he proved that he was who he claimed to be. And that's the better alternative that we need to look at. So when looking at the question, is Jesus God? 
Um, <coughs> excuse me, in my studies, one commentator writes, C.S. Lewis, he says, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, referring to Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, he says, some would say. But I don't accept him, his claim to be God. And that is the one thing we must not say, he says. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. Notice what else he says. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher he has not left that open to us, and he did not intend to. So I think that's a great quote concerning the thoughts of who Jesus is. So tonight, as we can see, the case for his resurrection, and the evidence is very strong within itself. The resurrection <clears throat> to us as Christians today, we can say is the foundation of our faith. It is the hub, the gospel, if you will. The resurrection is the hub in which the will turns on. It is the centerpiece of what we know as faith and as Christianity in our lives even today. And you know, if, if there is no resurrection, as we've already uh, put out here, and some claim, if you remember in the Bible, Sadducees did, I believe, but there is no resurrection, then our faith is what? Meaningless. We face the same dilemma as the atheist. Now turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. <clears throat> and notice as our, as our reading was just a moment ago. But I want you to go down to verse 19 with me. And notice what Paul has to say here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 19. He says, if in this life. Only we have hope in Christ. We are of all men most miserable or pitiable. How true that statement is. If Jesus did not arise and resurrect, we should reject him for such the one of his claims and it is the foundation of our faith. If Jesus did not arise, we should reject him, for such was one of his claims, and in the foundation of our faith. But we know and understand there is plenty of evidence that he did arise. Now, I've challenged many people throughout the years, and even in this beginning of the study, the Bible is the final what? Final authority, isn't it? We have to take this Bible that you have a copy of, and many people have it in their homes. I have a, many copies of it. 
But we have to take this Bible as the final authority that what it says is what we're going to believe and what we're going to do. Now, as he wrote there, and Paul wrote in verse chapter 15, and we speak of that plenty of evidence that he did arise, he appeared unto numerous people after his resurrection. Now go back with me to in, in chapter 15 to verse 3 through 6, as was read just a moment ago. Paul writes, he says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I have received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. And after that he was seen of above by five hundred brethren at once, of whom this greater part remain unto this present, and some are fallen asleep. Those who are some who were still alive who can make <clears throat> that claim. We can read different uh, texts and things throughout secular history that refers back to that great one, that one that is Jesus Christ. So he appeared to numerous people after his resurrection, according to 1 Corinthians 15 and 3 through 6, as well as we find as the, in the last chapters of the gospel. But the dilemma his enemies faced at that time, and even today, if Jesus did not arise, they could have stopped the movement of following him by simply producing his body. Now you think about this. Some of the claims was that Jesus did not arise. He did not resurrect on that third day. <clears throat> but they could have stopped it if they produced his body. So where is his body? Some theories that were thrown out during that time and even today that they had him in the wrong tomb. They had taken him, uh, so take him to the right tomb, one would say. The enemy stole the body. Uh, followers stole the body. And we could say, why die for a lie then? Uh, he arose, the only, the he arose was the only logical choice for those people today and even those of us today as well. What about the testimony of his apostles? The lies and the teachings. You know, this Jesus that we're talking about, the Son of God, one of the Godhead, the lies and the teachings of his apostles and disciples prove that Jesus was who he claimed to be. If Jesus was just a good man or prophet, they would not be, think about this, they would not be willing to die for him as they did. But many claimed eyewitnesses to his life and resurrection. Go with me to the book of Acts in chapter 10 of that book. And we're going to read of a claim here. In the book of Acts in chapter 10 and 39 through 42. The Bible reads, it says, And we are witnesses of all things which had did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him, capitalized, God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after what? He rose 
from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick or the living and the dead. So we see here a claim of eyewitness to his life and his resurrection. You, uh, and, and Peter there, you go on over in 2 Peter. <clears throat> in 2 Peter chapter 1, we have another, another reference. 2 <clears throat> Peter chapter 1 in verses uh, 16 through 18. Peter writes, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were what? Eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which calls or came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. So we have a couple instances of eyewitness accounts, if you will. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, back to our original text in verse 8, Paul makes the claims, he is last of all seen by Paul, or seen by me, an apostle out of due season. So we can say tonight with certainty that Jesus is the Messiah. We can say that Jesus is the Son of God and Jesus is God. So there are a lot of things that fall into this. So consider this testimony that we just talked about. Were they truly eyewitnesses or were they part of, part of the plot to deceive? Now you think about it. There are a lot of people who claim that all this was being, that Christ deceived people. The whole thing was a fable. Peter wrote about that, didn't he? He said, we didn't believe in those devised fables. But consider what happened to these men. Consider their suffering, their poverty, their deaths. All of those deaths and all of that poverty and suffering would not have been logical if they were living for something that was a fraud. Now you think about that. Furthermore, they also, like Jesus, would have been liars. When you consider what they claim to have seen uh, and thus evil as Jesus was not the Messiah he claimed to be. Furthermore, how do you explain he changed their lives and so many lives? Jesus changed lives then and even today. He changed people's lives. Today, he changes people's lives when they, when they take and recognize him as the son of God. Why do you think when we baptize someone, do you believe that Jesus Christ is what? The son of God. Yes, I do. Do you believe that he died for you upon that cross? Yes, I do. <clears throat> and it's within that confession, that great confession that we study about, even in the book of Acts and the Philip and the eunuch and all throughout the conversions and baptisms that we can read and study, it's upon that that everything hinges 
that Jesus is God. Jesus is that Son of God. So you think about how He changes lives. I want you to think about just for a moment how He changed your life. <clears throat> you think about maybe some of us who are older, back when we were young and dumb. That's what I called myself back in those days, was young and dumb. Um, he changed my life then, but more so as I've gotten older and matured, there's been a bigger and better change. And I know some of you have experienced that. Maybe there are some who have not experienced that. Maybe there are some who have not. And I feel uh, pity for those who have not had that. And it's not some miraculous, uh, oozy-gooey feeling that you have. It is that the blood of Christ gives you hope, as we talked about this morning. Becoming a Christian, becoming uh, those who have been baptized in the blood of Christ and, and washed for the remission of their sins and, and, and making that commitment to serve Him. You see, that's how He changes your life. He gives you hope. When one does not have that, when one cannot make that, stake that claim or stake that, uh, that thought of, I am a Christian... Or that event in their life when they took, and I'm not talking about accepting Jesus as your personal Savior. That is not found anywhere in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible do you find, accept Him as your personal Savior. Yes, you accept Jesus. You, you make that claim that He is the Son of God. But accept Jesus and pray this prayer, and you'll be saved? No. That is not in the Bible anywhere. The sinner's prayer. Pray this prayer and you'll have Jesus in your heart and everything will be good. That is not in the Bible. Nowhere. One must believe that he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He must take and hear that word, believe and confess and repent of his sin and be baptized for the remission of sins. And then and only then can Jesus truly change someone's life. So yes, this is a study about God and who God is. And truly we have to know who Jesus is to truly know who God is and vice versa. And they all are so tied so knitly and, and closely together that we have to have these, these discussions. But you think... <clears throat> how he changed their lives and so many lives. How would you explain that if he was a frog? If God didn't exist, how do we find what we find today in the world? You know, look around. It's not easy, it's not hard to figure out that there is a master creator. No man has the ability that our God does. So what was it about them that caused people to leave? What was it about Jesus that caused these men and even men today? Now you think about Brother Ryan Hall. He said he was in the business world for so many years. And I forget exactly when he said that he left, but he said he left that to become a missionary. And some people can do that. And I'm glad we have those people who can do that. 
what, what left or what made these people, these apostles, James, Peter, and John, and, and the fishermen, and, and all these men who had these things, what made them leave those lives, to leave that comfortable life that they had and follow him? Well, because they knew who he truly was, didn't they? They knew he was truly the Messiah. They didn't reject it as people reject today. Oh, there were people in that time who did. But what was it about uh, these men and Jesus that caused people to leave comfortable religions, both idolatry and even Judaism, to face persecutions? Well, there had to be a substance. And that substance was Jesus Christ. And those miracles that he did to verify who he was. We are told that that substance included miracles to verify their teachings and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. What causes one today to leave where they have been brought up, whatever religion it is. I mentioned this morning in class, God is not, 1 Corinthians 15 and 33, I believe that's what it was, God is not an author of confusion. God never intended for it to be, to have what? Hundreds of religions. God never intended for that to be. God never meant for you and me to have to choose and say, what, do I, what church I want to go to? God never intended for that. Because when you go back to Ephesians 4, he said there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. God never intended for that to be the case. So furthermore, consider the impact that he, Jesus, has made upon this world. None other, no other man had the impact that Jesus had. Neither Buddha, Muhammad, Joseph Smith, or any has had the effect that our Lord and Jesus has had on the world. Not even Moses, as the greater man and prophet that he was, he did not have the impact that Jesus has had on mankind totally. The remainder of the few minutes that we have, I want you to think about this, about different world religions Jesus is either who he claimed to be or he is a liar, someone who defrauded people. But you know, there are no other alternatives. And we have established time and time again in this study and studies before, we have established that the Bible is the word of God and that Jesus must be whom he claimed to be, and thus that deserves to be followed. But what about world religions? What I'm going to mention to you in the next few minutes is not an exhaustive examination of all the religions, but I want you to just think about it. <clears throat> it's going to be actually very brief. And some of the different beliefs in, in, uh, in these religions and, um, and the Bible and what the Bible teaches. 
And if we truly accept that the Bible is truly the authority and the final authority, we have no problem leaving religions that are not found in the Bible. Now that's the key. That is the key. According to earlier on a survey that was done, were numbers, there were numbers accumulated about various world religions. Christianity and the ones who are believing in Jesus as a Savior, that's including Catholicism and uh, denominationalism and Greek Orthodox and, and other denominational churches, is still the largest religious system in the world with over 2 billion believers. Again, all that we have discussed thus far verifies that the truth lies somewhere with this category based upon studying and following the teachings of the New Testament. You know what the second largest is? You probably guess. Islam. Islam is the second largest with over 1.5 billion believers and it's growing steadily. Believe me. It's growing increasingly. Their God is the one they call Allah. Which is actually the name they have given to the God of Abraham and Ishmael. Who they claim is the true heir of the promise to man. So concerning Jesus, they believe that he was a prophet from God. And even born of a virgin. But he was not the son of God. And that he did not die by crucifixion. He was another one of God's prophets in a long line, beginning with Adam, going through Noah, Abraham, and David, Elijah, and Elisha, and on, and even into the New Testament, Zechariah, John, and even Jesus. They believe in the four inspired books, the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, different words for the Psalms and the Gospels, and they believe that the first three of those books have been corrupted by mankind and filled with inaccuracies. Notice their salvation. Salvation in Islam comes primarily through what? Good works. And through memorization of the Quran. In the end, if one's good works outweighs he or she's bad works or bad things, their sins, they will be saved. But you can trump all of that if you want salvation, just die a martyrdom death. That's why we have flying into the World Trade Centers, don't we? But you know, the Bible that we know to be true teaches salvation primarily through the grace of God. Even though we do have to obey the gospel, it's provided through the grace of God. Muhammad claimed to be a prophet and the Muslims claimed that he was the prophet. But he did not claim to be the son of God or God himself. He lived from 570 to 632 A.D. And he was believed to receive some 
number of revelations through the last 22 years of his life. Islam, what's the problem with Islam? The denial of Jesus was who he was. The rejection of the most, uh, most of the New Testament and Old Testament. It's a false doctrine concerning salvation and their concept of God and his plan of salvation. That's just one. Atheism is the third largest. No God. One, over 1.1 billion people believe there is no God. To me, that was shocking. Just How does a person have no belief? That it's I've run into a few through the years. And everything that we've studied thus far rejects this option. Hinduism was the fourth largest, 900 million it's primary religion in the Eastern world, but it's, it's increasing in the Western world as well. Um, most of its uh, believers, 90% of them, are in India. And we do a lot of mission work in India and face that. Hinduism believes that God, that God is in everything and followers are created in the form of God and seek to reach a state in which once again are rejoined with the supreme God, Brahman. They have numerous sacred texts. But what's the problem with Hinduism? And we say, well, why are they talking about all these things? Because all these things are becoming more and more prevalent, even in our world today in which we live. The sixth largest was Buddhism, with 376 million So a lot of different beliefs. What do we say? God was not an author of confusion. Mankind created these things. Judaism fell in the 12th position with 14 million. Those who are focusing on the old law. Of course, the new law clearly respects the old law, but it teaches that the old law was fulfilled when Jesus nailed it to the cross. So if one accepts what has been said about Jesus, this would eliminate Judaism as still being the way to worship God. Many passages point toward that thought of how to worship God. Joel spoke of it in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. Matthew 5 and 17. Galatians 3, 24 and 25. So who is this God? This God that is the creator of all. Who is this Jesus? The one who is the son of God. The Messiah. So as we conclude this first part about God, we've, we've kind of laid a foundation that I believe that in the weeks to come that we can build upon and strive to learn more about the one true God, and that one true God that each and every one of us will give an account one day. And you know, that has, that's, that has been my goal as I began this study weeks ago. That has been my goal, is to teach people and show people that we will give an account to this one 
and true God that we have established and will continue to establish. It is true that there is a God and he has given us instructions. He's given us instructions on how to worship him. He's given us instructions how to be saved. But the thing is, are we willing to do what God has asked us to do? Or are we willing to take someone's word for it? If you really want to know what God wants you to do, you have to find and read it right here. Don't depend on a man like me or some other man or some other person to say, well, this is how you need to do it. You go read right here in the Bible, and you notice in the book of Acts, the New Testament church and those Christians, how they worship God. It hasn't changed in 2022. It's still the same God, still the same Word of God, still the same plan to be saved and to be worshipped. So tonight I ask you, maybe you need to make some changes. Allow Jesus to change your life. Next week we'll look at who is God. Well, next, next week, next week's the fifth Sunday. And then not the next Sunday, but the next Sunday. Uh, I've been, I want you all to know I've been waiting over a month to start my series on Sunday morning. I, every time I get ready to start it, we had to change the speaker coming in. And it's really thrown. So I, I, really, I will not get to start my Sunday morning series a better me and you in 22 until the third week uh, or second week in February. So uh, I've just had to continue to move that back on my calendar. Um, but again, no way, no better way to start the year of 2022 than to allow Jesus to change your life. Maybe tonight you need to allow him to change your life. Maybe you need to become a Christian. Maybe you need to put him on in baptism and be part of his body, that church that he spoke about.